Welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, we, we continue on this po- podcast journey uh, where we, we now get to unpack some of the most interesting people in the world, people who've been tied to the show, people that we're meeting for the first time. And today we dare to go on a journey that may be like no journey we've been on so far. Rick, one of the funniest people that we've ever had on the show, and we're glad to have him at Rick and Bubba University, and that is comedian Brad Stein. Brad, welcome to Rick and Bubba University. You've done it. Well, listen, there is nowhere else I'd rather be. You know I love Alabama. As a matter of fact, I'll be heading there soon, and I've already shot two raccoons. I'm tanning the hide as we speak. I've got the hats working, and I carved my own canoe out of wood with a pocket knife. So I'm just getting Alabama prepared, my friend. Brad, I have to ask you, are you broadcasting in somebody's attic? Okay, so this is a long story, my friend. (laughs) Uh, I, uh, I am an unapologetical christian unapologetical conservative and i actually believe in the constitution as the founding fathers originally intended consequently i'm in a bunker i've had to hide (laughs) myself out Uh, i've had lots of attacks lots of people after me now you know i'm armed nevertheless i'm outnumbered so i am doing my best to to be you know i like i'm like a gorilla broadcaster uh rick i'm here today tomorrow i'll be underground i'll be in a tunnel i'll be in a cave whatever i need to do to say one hepa one step ahead of my uh uh my uh antagonists to get the message out that funny is funny but lifting up god and country and anti-pc is really what i'm all about yeah, you know, somebody somewhere is saying, I, I hear a noise. Do we have maybe a Brad Stein yeah. in our head? Yeah, have we got uh, raccoons uh, or is it a Brad Stein <laughs> problem? Brad, Brad Stein. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I went to a professional pest control expert. And he said that I sound like either me or a chipmunk. So it can be confusing Yeah, it, for, for the professionals <laughs> trying to discover where I am or if I'm under the, you know, the attic build out. And sometimes I will. Don't think I won't sneak into your home and live off of the cheese in your refrigerator at night while you're napping. <laughs> I got to do what I got to do to maintain my career, my friend. Well, we talked about this. You know, let's let's go back in time to start this this podcast. Must we? Must we? We, we must. We we it were took di- me so long to get here though. We, we went. Must we, we go back. We, we went. We, we were doing the show. I don't even remember the year. You might be able to help me this. And it was, I think, the Apostles of Comedy. Was that the name of the tour? I think so. The, the Apostles of Comedy? Or, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That it, was back it, in uh, 2008, oh, now okay. that I think about yeah, it. And, and, and I don't normally do math because it's racist, but, yeah, I wanted to uh, try it. <laughs> I don't do math because it's so, But I remember you guys came in. I think mm-hmm. it was you, Jeff Allen, and I can't yep. remember the Jeff third. Jeff Allen? I don't remember who the other was. Uh, it was Anthony Griffith and Ron Pearson. Okay. So you, you came in, and, and mm-hmm. immediately there was a connection because you – no offense to the other guys they're funny guys but you took over uh and and i remember the way it felt for the show to be in your hands and yeah. and, and no longer in ours and uh and and you tended to to rant i mean you you, yeah. you you would get on these rants and i could tell right there that you were you were already sick and tired of this in 2008 uh-huh. i can't even imagine how you're even holding it together now oh uh. Well, uh, you know, I, and yeah, you're right. I mean, that is my point of view. Listen, the only thing that's ever made me different, my brother, is that I began to look at my country as it was. And as a comic whose entire career is built on words, we have to be able to communicate. We have to be able to push the envelope. We have to be able to look at the culture and hold a mirror to it. That's the 
historically the point of comedy is it talks about things that are happening in real time. That's always been what I stood for. But because I'm a Christian, sometimes people thought, well, he's too aggressive. He's too political. He's too, it's like, no, I'm just dealing with the issues. You know, how come when I talk about something I believe in, it's considered, you know, preaching. But if Chris Rock does it, it's called social commentary. Why can't Christians (laughs) and conservatives and those who believe in this great nation as the greatest nation in human history, uh, stand up for what we believe through the forms of comedy and not be attacked for it so it's just it began i began to lose my crap if you're allowed to say lose on this show i'm not sure uh (laughs) because uh because i wanted somebody to speak up and dignify these other points of view as a comic because it wasn't being heard and so that's when i began to really just kind of unleash my point of view and yeah, it costs you some fans, I guess. It co- it certainly cost me some mainstream opportunities for television or whatever. But it also tapped into these millions and millions and millions of people that eventually would uh, begin to be concerned about what's happening, who would eventually probably vote for Donald Trump because they felt lost. They felt like they were ignored, that they were pushed to the side, and they wanted somebody to champion their point of view. And so... I was just sort of this outlier that that took that mantle on, not because I was trying to fill a gap. I was standing up for what I believed was true about America. And it happened to tap into all these folks like like you guys, you know, I mean, you guys reach a great audience, but you have a very specific perspective that probably turns some folks off. But listen, if everybody likes you, you're not saying anything worth listening to. You have to stand (laughs) for something that always comes with a consequence. Brad, do you do you find that the political correct movement and the cancel culture has made it more difficult to be a comedian? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Unless you're me, <laughs> because <laughs> I don't care. You know, listen, I, I one of my uh, classic uh, uh, phrases, I guess I've used for many years. A lot it's, when I say classic, as far as how people appreciate it, is I said I want to watch political correctness die in my lifetime. But first, I want to watch it suffer. So I've always stood against it. You can understand, and Rick knows this. Uh, back in 2003, when Put a Helmet on, my most, I guess, well-known album came out, I was standing up against political correctness then. And then I was probably really talking about, you can't say Merry Christmas, but I was beginning to really deal with issues like something's happening, something's changing in America. We're not allowed to be able to talk about certain ideas. We're not allowed to be able to approach certain subjects. I had no idea how bad it was going to get. Yes, cancel culture says you can't. Here's what's interesting. They will go back and find something you said 25 years ago right? and say, because you said that thing 25 years ago, you can't uh, uh, speak today. And it's like, are you telling me that if every human being was judged on the worst thing they ever did in their life, none of us should ever be talking to anybody because clearly that's. Uh, how humans work. We grow, we change, we evolve. Or sometimes what we said 25 years ago might be a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more nuanced, but it still is true and maybe we're still standing for it. So the only reason political correctness works is because Americans allow it to affect their behavior. I said this on, a, on an album years ago. Uh, if you want to stop political correctness, don't do it. Somebody says, I'm offended, and you say, I don't care. Next. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and because if you don't say your subjective feelings don't dictate my behavior, if you don't do that, what will happen is people's subjectivity is going to be inculcated into law and that becomes the new truth. Well, guess what, guys? We're here. We're here. Now what I feel 
can actually cost you your job, your, 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 your livelihood, your dignity, your ability to interact in America. And I'm going to fight against it if it costs me my life. And I'm not trying to be ultra dramatic, but if it costs me everything, it costs me. Listen, I'm a Christian first. I'm a Christ follower first. And God Almighty says you speak to truth. Yeah. That's what you're obligated to, not to be a jerk about it. Don't be a, you know, don't be, um, you know, uh, self-righteous about it. But if the truth offends you, that's your problem. The truth is supposed to offend you. That's how you know you don't have it. It was supposed to actually convict your feelings and move you into repentance. But that's a whole different spiritual Mm -hmm. dimension that a lot of Americans really aren't connected to anymore. So they have to replace that with postmodern cultural Marxist ideology. Make no mistake, my brother Bubba, political correctness is a secular religion. No doubt. We'll come back. Brad Stein is our guest. Our conversation continues when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, comes right back. Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, we are talking with Brad Stein. Brad is currently on his unapologetic American comedy tour. And when we uh, when we took a, a quick pause there, uh, he, he really was saying the things we say a lot on the show. There's a kinship between us and him. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, Brad, I think the things that you did 20 20- 25, sometimes even 40 years ago, can come back and hurt you unless you're Jimmy Kimball. <laughs> and apparently right. it doesn't right. matter. Well, that's exactly right. And it also exposes the hypocrisy because uh, it, it, it is, listen, for many years when I would talk about anti-political correctness, I learned about that. I studied this. is isn't just me, uh, you know, trying to just jam my point of view down down somebody's throat. I studied the Frankfurt School, which is the the uh, genesis of cultural Marxism and critical theory, which has moved into postmodernism, which has become critical race theory, which has come queer theory, which has come fat theory. All of this postmodern perspective of how uh, our culture is being reshaped came from these ideas. And so uh one of the tactics of the left is they they have this idea that if they accuse you of something first then they are immune from the scrutiny so in other words if i say you're a racist first then suddenly i can't be a racist even if i'm saying that your particular color uh makes you evil and i can and i can uh uh uh, push you aside or keep you from working so it's a racist concept but if i call it first if i say you're a bigot first if i say that you're evil first somehow i'm immune from criticism it can't be a more self-righteous narcissistic way to see the world but it's working not because it's true and not because it should because americans have become so cowardly that they won't stand up and say i'm not doing this i'm not doing this nonsense you don't get to slander me and then think that there's no repercussions and that new civil war that has to be taken by conservatives and by uh, a christian those or any or even an atheist that just believes in free speech if we don't fight back the best we can it's hard because the disseminators of information the the leftist uh, controllers of platforms control us so we can't even say things because they cancel us but if we don't find a means to mobilize the republic is gone because the people don't rule anymore. And that's simply true. No, it is. And and you've already touched on it and you're trying to do it, you know, with this tour and really the whole time you've been doing comedy because you, you, you sense this coming. Uh, yeah. we, we, we too, I mean, you, you saw it coming, but you're right because the, the way that you deal with a mob or a bully, and we've seen this even Bubba and what you and I do, they have to come to a conclusion by the way that you respond that to come after you is a complete waste of time. 
It, you yeah. know, because when they come after you, you don't bend to them. Uh, yeah. You just double down on why you believe what you believe and your worldview, and then you just keep on talking about it, and then you use that platform to point, like in our case, as followers of Jesus, every time somebody comes after us about what we believe, we just start talking about what we believe even more, and we just start producing even more scripture that substantiates why we believe what we believe. And you know what happens? And, and, and I've seen this happen with even some groups dealing with us. They finally realize there's no, there's no gain in going after them. They just use us going after them to, from their platform to talk about the thing we're mad about. So, so if you'll just say, look, this is my worldview. I don't apologize for my worldview. I don't mean you any harm. Uh, yeah. I'm, j- I'm just committed to what I believe. Uh, and, right. and it's like we think that cowering to this, the church included, I'm including the church in this, that yeah. cowering to these mobs means that they'll, th- they'll go, oh, look, look how nice they are. Let's leave them alone. Yeah. And, and yeah. all they see it as is weakness. Oh, of course. Listen, I will say this because you and I did some shows together yeah. a f- number of years ago. And uh, the difference between you and, and a lot of the typical uh, churchgoers, I do differentiate between God told me something, brother, and it sounds maybe a little hardcore, but God said there's too many churchgoers in America, not enough Christians. I know you personally. You are a hardcore, committed uh, Christian man. It's legit. You This drives your worldview uh and and how you live your life and i'm and i'm proud to call you my friend because if if we're not so serious about our faith it's irrelevant it doesn't do us any good by the way to be wishy-washy because it has no effect there's a spiritual battle and i don't normally sort of go that direction because i do i've always dealt with the culture as a comic you know i'm going to be matter of fact i'm going to be in aniston alabama here uh this weekend at the happy hour comedy club uh and and even though there's funny and you don't have to be a christian to like my show you're going to like it because i'm going to stand up against these principles but here's the idea your average Chris, uh, christian in america or at least churchgoer lives their faith as though it's a mm, a philosophy or a Tony Robbins seminar where they kind of apply it to the, the parts of their life that they think will help them out. That's not what it's for, this compartmentalizing of it. You either have to believe Jesus is actually God, that the Bible is actually the rule book for how the world works, and apply it to your life unapologetically, or you might as well get out of the game because you're not doing us any good. You're supposed to be a warrior that takes on the culture. And what has happened is the cowardice of the church, and so often in America, that has allowed the culture to conform them instead of redeeming the culture, which is the purpose of Christianity, has caused uh, us to lose any opportunity or any option of being relevant. And so I do believe that there is a, and praying for a third great awakening in America and a first century century church model, where the churches finally decide we're either going to get in or get out, no more wishy-washy, and we're going to come together as one and stand for principles and ideas, whatever comes its way. This is truly a civil war, but now it's a civil war of ideology. Yeah, we, we were just talking about it. You know, you go to the Church of Acts, and, and we think about how big some of the churches are now in America, some of the mega churches. Here's this little group of followers of Jesus that are starting the whole church age. Yeah. And, and, and what do we hear the culture saying about them and they weren't they weren't some large force they were just the first band of followers of Jesus yeah and we have decided somehow that we think scripture says the ultimate goal of the follower of Jesus is to be liked yeah. uh, and, and and scripture says no 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 it's to be in the proper it's to be approved by God yeah. uh, not to be approved by people 
And what yeah. we've said is, I would rather be at odds with God than to be at odds with people. But but the scripture says you might want to turn that around. And here we are saying, well, we don't want to make trouble. But what did they say about the first church of Acts and refer to this small band of, of Jesus followers? These are the men that are turning the world upside down. And when they yeah. faced persecution, when they said, you better stop saying that Jesus healed this guy. Now, this is the same two guys that were afraid to be associated with Jesus before they received the Holy Spirit. Before the church right. age, they were like, look, I didn't. I thought Jesus was going to kill everybody. I didn't know he wanted us to go with him to the cross, right. so we're out. Right. We, we thought he was coming to overthrow the Romans, so we're out. Right. So, right. But then when they received the Holy Spirit, these same two guys who ran from Jesus and denied that they even knew him, these same two guys in the church age are looking at the culture that says, we're going to hurt you and we're going to yeah. kill you or yeah. cancel you if yeah. you don't stop saying that Jesus is God and that salvation yeah. comes to no man except for one name, and that's Jesus. Yeah. You know what they said? You just have to do to us what you have to do to us, but we're not denouncing him. Yeah, and they yeah did, exactly. And, I mean, we're just not going to do it. And if that means that we get beat, and then when they went back, unlike I think some of the modern churches today or the churchgoers or what we call cultural Christians, they went back and told the church that they were a part of what had happened. And you right. know what they didn't pray? They did not pray for persecution not to come. They prayed that God would give them the strength not to embarrass him when the persecution yeah. came. That's what they prayed for. They, yeah, pray, yeah, they, yeah. they prayed, They prayed. hey, don't let us embarrass you when the persecution yeah. comes. But I just don't see that attitude. Now, that attitude's in individual groups of followers of Jesus. I know it's there. Yeah. But I don't really see that attitude in general in the, right. in the Western church. And, and, and there's this feeling that they're not prepared for the persecution, yeah. that if you can't see it coming— it's yeah. coming, and we'll, and we'll unpack some of that when we come back and talk about what you're doing now on this tour when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. All right, so Bubba, just this kind of stuff we're talking about, we talked about it on the big show this week, is these social media platforms and all these different online sources that have all this power now. Did you know that, uh, that right now uh, Google has made a fortune by tracking our movements online, and there's even a $5 billion class action lawsuit against the company in California because they've been accused of secretly collecting users' data. And what what's Google's defense? Uh, that incognito doesn't mean invisible. Uh, and and so 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 how do you actually make yourself invisible? Because that's they're they're even saying, well look, I mean, you know, if, you, if we can see it, uh, how can you be mad at us for getting it? Well that's why you need to use ExpressVPN. Uh, it, look, it, it, it turns out even the incognito mode, your online activity still may get tracked and the data broker still may get to buy and sell your data. Uh, so see, that's not really going to work. What you need to be is invisible. So, uh, if you use express VPN, uh, the IP address that the harvesters are looking for, uh, to uniquely identify you and your location is made now invisible. Your connection gets rerouted through encrypted servers and your IP address is masked completely. It's not just incognito, it is invisible. So every time you connect to ExpressVPN, you get a random IP address uh, shared by many other ExpressVPN customers, makes it much harder for a third party to harvest and track your data. So why don't you go, you know, go, go invisible online with expressvpn.com slash Rick Bubba? We're getting you uh, an extra three months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Rick Bubba, uh, expressvpn.com slash Rick Bubba. 
Brad Stein is our guest. Uh, he is uh, currently on tour, the Unapologetic American Comedy Tour. And if you want an opportunity to go out and hear somebody who's funny, not corny, who's clever, but you're actually going to hear somebody talking the way you wish some of the other entertainers and comedians out there would talk, uh, he's going to take on the things that you're talking about. And, and we were laughing about this because you, you, you said, look, first I'm a follower of Christ, and, and then you know I'm an American, and then I'm a, a comedian and all these things. You're going to actually play places like the Happy Hour Comedy Club. Well, what happens in these comedy clubs where you walk in, you hit the stage, you're, you do talk about even parts of your faith openly. Uh, it is a clean show. It's an edgy show, but, but, but not, not, <laughs> not in a nasty way, but in the kind of edgy you like where you're not afraid to say things people are uncom- afraid to say about truth. But, but what, what happens with these? Do you get any pushback from the comedy club owners themselves saying, look, we're still going to be serving the drinks in here. We're going to be doing our thing. Uh, how, how, do you, what's the conversation you have with them when they're booking you? Well, first off, you know, uh, I, I do churches too, but then I go into clubs because my whole point is I just want to be able to reach as many people as I can. Sure. And let's face it, those underserved drunken folks that are puking on themselves, somebody's got to help them. So I go into the clubs. <laughs> right. I say, give me your green rooms with your s- <laughs> smoke, cigarettes, smelling urine soaked elements because somebody has to be a champion for those poor people uh but you know they listen i guess what happens is uh they know that they're a business and they say you know if you have uh an audience that will come in here and and laugh and and pay a ticket price to come see us we'll we'll jump in now not everybody will but a lot of them will because they really are about the bottom line. You know, is there a way for this to uh, uh, generate income for us? And there's an audience for this. There's an obviously here's the good news, but it has a caveat. The good news, guys, is that conservative Americans, Christian Americans, patriot Americans, uh, original intent Americans, originalists, in other words, believing in the Constitution as the founding fathers, all those folks are still the majority in America. By far, we're still the majority. The problem is we can't communicate and mobilize that energy because the uh, dissemination of information has sort of accidentally, without us realizing it until it was too late, come from platforms like Facebooks and Twitters and uh, Instagrams and, and Google, whatever. That's all owned by leftists. Ironically, they've made billions from a conservative yeah. free market culture that they mock, mm-hmm. but they don't let us speak. And so the only thing I know do when I try to get my arching, marching orders from God is go to where the people are and certainly open up uh your uh, uh, paradigm to every possible place that people might congregate and find uh, their desire to go hear comedy, which is what I do. Comedy just breaks down presuppositions. So people suddenly are kind of laughing. They hear a guy talking about stuff they didn't know you were allowed to talk about, which is sad because it shows how we've lost free speech. It's like there's nothing off limits to comedy. Nothing. It's just supposed to be funny. And even if it offends you, so what? That's what liberty feels like. That's what free speech feels like. It hurts you sometimes. It bothers you sometimes. Turn the channel. 
Don't come out. Do whatever you want. But it can't be free speech if it doesn't have uh, something at stake. And so I come to these places and people can come and not come. They can leave it or walk out if they want to. But what I really feel is and I'm all and you know this more than anybody, Rick, because you've been with me a lot of live events. I always do some laughs. But if they are a little edgy or whatever you want to call it, or at least anti-political correctness, uh, I always take a moment to sort of narrate or give context what was that all about what was i really talking about what do we really need to remember as americans if we want to be free and so i always try to sort of get a little a little exploration of what the beauty of comedy really can be if it opens up our minds and our remembrances of what freedom actually was supposed to be and it's risky it's dangerous or it's not free so that's really why i think the clubs have you know, allowed me to come in because people want what I have. It's a free market system. And so far it's kind of working. Brad, I assume with the COVID year, you didn't Uh get out a lot. How is it getting back out now? And give us your thoughts on the whole COVID-19 now that we have it, hopefully in the rear view mirror. Oh, 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 well, first off, I got to be honest. I'm going to, I'm going to shock the world. Uh, I was anti-mask from day one. So for a year and a half, I wouldn't wear the mask. I couldn't stand it. I did. It didn't make any sense to me. It's an anti-first amendment. I, and here's the thing. I want to be able to take my own risk. I don't need people to tell me that we're going to protect you. It's that patronizing leftist idea that we have to be offended for you because you're too stupid to know somebody just offended you. We're going to do it for you. So I mock the whole concept, not because there wasn't a real virus and not because some people weren't harmed from it. I don't want anybody to die from a virus, but we used to, you know, uh, uh, quarantine the sick people. Right. We didn't punish you for being good. And then I said, how, how maybe in the future, now that we have the data, maybe the next time a virus comes in with a 99% survival rate, maybe we shouldn't shut down Earth. <laughs> Just throwing this out. Just throwing this out. Maybe we should. And I'm no Fauci. I'm no Fauci. <laughs> I'm not an expert, but we've learned so much. For example, we've learned the from the experts that the experts aren't. That's one thing we've learned. Right. Don't follow the experts because they're full of nonsense. And I just am curious, why were we so terrified as, from a virus that's so stupid it actually can't find you when you sit down? That's what I want to know. We would walk into restaurants, get your mask on, you're killing people. The moment we sat down, take it off. You're fine now. (laughs) Talk about anti-size. Hey, do you need a mask? No, not at this altitude. I'm sitting down. I'm two feet lower now. I'm fine. Think about that. We could have kept everything open if everybody remained seated. That's how ridiculous has become. All we had to do was throw wheels on our wheelchairs. They're already here. Let's just, hey, get your mask on. Don't need it. I'm in a wheelchair, baby. I'm sitting down. I'm going ice skating. I'm good. I'm in a chair. That's what happened to America. Fear the virus unless you're seated. 
That's what I want to talk about. Let's mock it. Not because I want people to die or that some people didn't suffer. They did. And I feel sorry for them. But I'm going to mock the anti-science, the fear mongering, the lack of even being able to discuss. Maybe this isn't good. The lack of being able to discuss the actual data was actually out there. And they've said, you can't do anything but obey us. Rick, Bubba, I don't obey anybody but god and as long as i'm an american the first amendment is accessible to me remember paul uh when he was about to be beaten by the by romans he didn't go read a scripture verse he said hey can you can you uh, uh beat a roman citizen without a trial uh, no we can't i'm a roman citizen i appeal to caesar he used the law of the land to defend his point of view. Yeah. Well, we have the First Amendment. And since I'm here, this is my territory. If, if I was in North Korea, different subject. I'm here. <laughs> so I'm going to use the law of the land until it kills me, brother. But this is what I stand for. This is the hill I'm going to die for. And I would love some awakened warriors to join me. If you believe in comedy that lifts up God and country and tears down political correctness, I'm your guy, and I think I'm the only game in town, so you better get me while I'm still breathing. <laughs> Brad, I found it interesting, and maybe you can explain oh, this. Oh, my goodness. It was politically incorrect to call it the China virus or the right. Wuhan virus. Right. But when we had variants pop up, we had the U.K. variant, we had the Brazilian variant, we had the right. Indian variant. Right. But why right. couldn't we call it the China virus? I, I didn't understand why everybody else got to name it, but right. we couldn't do it for the virus. I think it's because the virus didn't identify as being Chinese. So that's probably what happened. I think it identified as, <laughs> as being sort of an organic, uh, uh, make it up as it goes virus. And it just didn't want to be locked in to some kind of nationalistic, gender driven virus. It wanted to be free to explore all the options that this virus could be. And who are we? Who are we to judge this virus? That's how he sees the world. I'm sorry. Did I say he? That's how it, they, them sees the world. So again, Bubba, and I, and I love you, brother, but you can't go around judging viruses if you think you're going to last in this career, because that's going too far, my friend. Viruses have feelings, too. And Brad, I don't know about you, but Golly. when we first, you know, if you have a problem, the way that you solve the problem is you have to go back to what I call classification point one. Where did it start? Like if I have yeah. a leak in my house yeah. and the carpet's yeah. wet, yeah. what do I do? I go and find where yeah. the leak is yeah. right. so so we can stop it or it doesn't happen again. I don't know about you, but I always was suspect about people uh, eating bats is where this came from. I, just me. You know, and again, right. I'm not a, a, right. a doctor of viruses, but I was just a little gray. I was a little gray on that one, considering the bats were killed and transported like a thousand miles to the market. Yeah. But we had yeah. a secret military lab three blocks away that was working on moving viruses forward. I, I don't know. Right. I kind of saw that as shaky. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, uh, and this is important. Uh, that you are an Alabama er, so uh, you guys are hill folk. You guys are back country. You guys, it, trust me, if anybody would be an expert on if bats make good eating, <laughs> it'd been Alabamaners. You guys would have been eating bats for years. Oh, yeah. You got plenty of caves. Yeah. You, if Alabama said, not, nah, this is going, I think we're going to avoid the bat, raccoon, fine, armadillo. <laughs> we're jumping in. Not a bat. If that's the way Alabamas have chosen. 
clearly you're the experts on this rodent eat. So <laughs> you would know this is we're, we're not we're going to avoid that. So, I, again, I agree with you, brother. You are the Fauci when it comes to what type of uh, winged rodent should be eaten. And clearly, uh, bat doesn't fit the description. Look, people have been eating dead stuff off the road for years. I mean, you, you think that would be more dangerous than a live bat, wouldn't you? If nobody from Alabama has dropped it in a vat of grease yet and, and fried it, man. Yeah. We, 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 we wouldn't even put a bat. We wouldn't even deep fry a bat. So, I mean, Listen, if anybody was going to come up with bat on a stick, it would have been somebody from Alabama. And you didn't. So I know it needs to be avoided. I'm using you guys as my test case. I just watch what you eat, and I go that direction. I will not touch anything in Alabama or would consider disgusting because that's that doesn't leave a lot of options frankly you guys are really good at eating everything i think yeah i think i think we found one option bat all right (laughs) we'll we'll be back more with brad stein when rick and bubba university the podcast continues all right so you're a small business okay you're you're out there you got handles and, and you know what hr issues i mean think about what we're talking about with our guests today okay uh, at any moment somebody could say well no wait a minute you, you can't fire this person. Or wait a minute. Uh, you, wait a minute. The hiring process. Wait a minute. But an HR department, uh, probably about $70,000 a year uh, on average. Uh, and if you're a small business uh, like we are, you, you may not have that kind of jack laying around. Well, the, the answer is here. Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E. Uh, this was created specifically for small businesses. And, and here's how it works. You get a dedicated HR uh, manager who crafts your HR policy maintains your compliance, all for just $99 a month. Now, with Bambi, you can change HR from a liability uh, to maybe one of your biggest strengths because it's handled at $99 a month. Uh, Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. Now, here's what they do. You bring people on board. They help you. You got to terminate somebody. They help you. They customize your policies to fit your business, and they help you manage your employees day by day and they're doing all this for $99 a month. Rick, what am I locked into? How about month to month? That's it. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. Uh, you didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. That's not why you did it. So let somebody else handle that. Uh, Bambi is the one. Get your free HR audit today by going to Bambi.com slash offensive right now. I mean, offensive right now. That's right. This is the word. Bambi.com slash offensive. Uh, that's O-F-F-E-N-S-I-V-E, uh, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash offensive for you to use them and them know that you heard about it right here on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Brad Stein is our guest. Uh, he is out on the Unapologetic American Comedy Tour. If you'd like to see the dates, uh, you can follow him uh, on, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, he's got stuff out on YouTube. You can go to bradstein.com. An attic close to you? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, that, that's it. So Don't think I won't. I think <laughs> as long as the check clears, brother, I'll work anywhere. I'll work in a Quonset hut. I don't care. <laughs> I just want to speak uh, freely as, as best I can. But listen, I, I love your guys' show. I mean, you guys have been kind of blazing the same kind of trail. Uh, we're not used to people standing up for their convictions. But if it wasn't for that being part of the DNA of America, there had been no revolutionary war. There had been no civil war there'd been no american uh ingenuity i mean this is really what it is i do not worship the united states i'm grateful for it i worship god but i'm grateful for it because it is the greatest nation in human history and you can tell you want to know if your nation's great or not the people want in or do they want out and i'm not hearing about people digging tunnels trying to 
sneak into North Korea. Not hearing about that nope. because they want here. So that to me is not to say we are intrinsically better. No, we're all humans are equally good in God's sight or at least valuable. Uh, but this nation is worth fighting for. It's worth dying for. And we have a generation coming up behind us uh, that may never know what it felt like just to be able to live, uh, go to picnics, laugh, joke, and not be concerned about being uh, controlled by somebody else's uh, uh, megalomaniac, despotic point of view under the auspices of tolerance. So I'm going to fight, guys, and I know you do too. So, hey, sometimes it's going to be unorthodox, and I do it as a comic. And so hopefully uh, at least I'll make a little noise, but most importantly, that it will inspire others to take that out into the marketplace and deal with your sphere of influence because we better mobilize. It's going to be organic brothers. It's going to be one-on-one man-to-man neighbor-to-neighbor. If we're going to ever see a chance to return to freedom and Liberty. And it's at stake. Brad, you know, my kids love to sit around and they say, dad, tell us about the eighties because you know, <laughs> I, I, I grew up the 80s. And, and you grew up kind of the same time we <laughs> did. About and the 80s. you know, I, I oh, talk man. about on the show here all the time, you know, the eighties had to be the greatest decade mankind has ever seen in the history of the world. It was I mean, there. we had it going on, you, you know, political correctness was non-existent. Uh, it, it was just a great time to be alive and be a kid and grow up and, yeah. I tell my kids about it and they can't believe it. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. And they will not know because you need, you know, it's one of the things I joke about in my show, The Unapologetical American, you know, is traditions. There's a difference. You know, traditions have stood the test of time. Any great nation that survives, any great idea that survives it has traditions about it because it's it's the wisdom of the ages. It has had enough time down the road for us to observe it and say, this works. We need to utilize it as opposed to what kids nowadays are influenced by, which is trends, trends come and go trends show up. And then they don't show up. That's why I have no tattoos. For example, <laughs> I refuse. And, you know, and people are like, Oh, he's making fun of people with tattoos, you know, they're going to hurt their feelings. I go, that's my point. Let me explain something to you. If you have a tattoo and you get your feelings hurt because I joke about tattoos. You don't deserve a tattoo. Yeah. Tattoos used to be saved for special people, usually people on leave. <laughs> that was how it used to be. Now, you know, nowadays, people wake up and go get a tattoo. Used to be you woke up and discovered you had a tattoo. <laughs> it's like, where did this come from? And why am I in a dumpster? See, that's how it used to be. But my point is, when you jump on a trend, you have no point of reference. Is this good? Is it bad? Because it just showed up. Political correctness, cultural Marxism, leftism, postmodernism, critical race theory, uh, uh, queer theory, fat theory, feminist studies. All of this are trends that have just popped up out of academia where people could just smoke their pipe and talk about it. <laughs> but now it's got existential threat. It's actually causing people's behavior and their ability to exist freely in, in, in this marketplace to be restricted. So it has consequences now because they found a way to weaponize it. That's what I fight against. Well, normally you would think a comic wouldn't be the one having the, you know, I should be a, you know, double doctorate on right on some kind of cultural issue. I should be a theologian. I should be a philosopher. That's how pathetic things have come for God that he's like, what do I, who do I use? Is Stein around? I don't know 
Graham, <laughs> Billy's dead. Okay, let's try. <laughs> Billy's I don't know. Buck, Buckley passed on. I guess we're going to use the comic, or, or there's a couple of hicks in Alabama with a radio show. I can throw, I can throw them a bone. But we're going to need to use a comic because nobody's left because the church is is hiding in the in 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 the corner hoping they can endure because the church has become a business the pastors become the ceo the 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 elders have become the board members and the parishioners have become the stockholders and once that happened they no longer were speaking truth yeah. because they were more concerned about their their tithing i love the church i love pastors you got a tough gig but my gosh if you're not going to be warriors now and stand for truth uh uh, you're irrelevant and you're mocking the uh, the body of Christ because you're necessary. You are called for a purpose to stand up to the hard truths that we need right now in America. So, Stein, have you rushed down and got your vaccine yet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the odds are? <laughs> Did you go Pfizer or Moderna? If, That's the question. If you had a if every dime you have ever made in your lifestyle, every investment you've ever, every house you've bought, every possible <clears throat> bit of money that you had, what do you think the odds are you'd have to risk that on betting that I took the vaccine? Uh, I, and by the way, I did have. Uh, I did have it. I, I had it. I, you had COVID. I had, you waited too. It was like a, I, yeah. I had it for like five days. I had achy. I, I couldn't taste or smell or food. So that's when I knew, oh, it's that thing. And <laughs> it was kind of achy for five days. Didn't tell. Refu- I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, buddy. I'm right back Vanderbilt. Refused to get tested. I was. I didn't want to be in somebody's record. I didn't want somebody to know who I was. I didn't. Somebody tell me I couldn't fly. I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> And that's what freedom is. And so, uh, yeah, the, no vaccine for me, not interested. Uh, and uh, again, guys, I'm not anti-science and I, and I want it to be very clear. Yeah, some people have died from this. So of I don't course. think I'm mocking this no. virus because somebody died. But the data is clear. It's usually people about 70 and older. So if I was going to an assisted living place, I'd wear a mask. They're invulnerable. If I went to an ICU, they're vulnerable. Their immune system is out. If you've got a precondition, you're vulnerable. I'll help you. But I'm not shutting down my life and the freedom of America and our First Amendment liberties because some people are sick. Let the free people go live their lives, take their own risk, because if we don't, if this is the norm now, you might as well wear a mask the rest of your life because there ain't never going to be an end to viruses. There's never going to be an end of something that might harm some people. It's never going to end. And this, to me, most importantly, was a test how how much do Americans not value their free agency and autonomy to believe and live the life they choose? And the, the, the verdict it looks like is not very much. Yeah. Well, we we, lost our way. We talked on the show and Bubba and I, you know, we're just a couple of, you know, just guys hanging out, but you know, we, 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 we haven't (laughs) lost the ability to critically think and and use logic. And so we were like, okay, our body has natural antibodies because we've had. Free, I like what, to call it free range, free range organic, organic antibodies. <laughs> yeah, right. antibodies. Yeah. Right. And, and so you hear that, yeah, but those are not as good as the vaccine. What? Yeah. What, what, yeah, are you, what are you right. talking about? No, no, that's right. uh, those are, you know, yeah, yeah, variant. And they just start throwing yeah. words at you. How they just grab yeah. words and throw them. Variant. 
And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I'm like oh, hey, wait, the wait. same glands made both of them. Okay. And, and I love, and I love this one. You know how you can read if you want to look at tyrannical movements. Look for things like this. No, no, the vaccine that we're pressuring you to get that we've already paid you know tons of money for. Uh, that one has antibodies that are better than your natural ones, and th- and we it will stop the variants, but your natural ones may not. Where did you come up yeah. with this? I mean, our first thing was, who told you this? What, hey, what, same what? same body made both of them. Yeah, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Well, what do well, we get? Again. What do we get this week? Cleveland study over fifty two thousand right. patients, not a small sample. Fifty two thousand, and, and what not did, a conservative group that did it. No, and so what did they say? The people who have antibodies have antibodies. It doesn't matter if it comes from a vaccine or naturally; it's all the same. And well, we're like, really? Who came up? Whoa! I never thought of that. Shocking. But you know what? You guys might, and you know, again, we're not scientists. You might be jumped into some conclusions because if what you're saying is true, then think about this and be, and be honest. I mean, we got to be truth tellers. If what you're saying is true, then that would almost mean like we would have have to have, have accepted the fact that throughout our entire life, <laughs> our body was creating antibodies through every cold, flu, sickness, everything, and. Clearly, how how could we even presume that's taking place? Uh, we, you know, that we would have survived all these others. So I just, I, I just, uh, again, I, I, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but no, something is I at can stake think, here I that is think. clear. Yeah, exactly, and that and that is that is the case. And again, give me the privilege and the honor to take my own risk. And you know what? I will say this: when I got the 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 thing, when I knew I'm sick. I maybe this is like ultra dramatic, but I went to my family. This is legit. I said, guys, I got the thing. I think I'm going to be fine. I'm going to go rest. I'm going to bed. I'm going to I'm going to drink liquids. That's my I'm going to I'm going to take the seven up vaccine and uh, I'm going to drink. I'm going to see what happens. And I literally said this. You guys said if some kind if this goes sideways and I suddenly I'm on a ventilator and I die, I want you to know your dad died standing for something he believed was true. I believe that my freedom to choose my own risk and my own life was more important to me than, than being alive. Now, that's easy to say when you're fine. I, I was sick. So I said, if this goes sideways and suddenly I'm dead, don't feel bad for me. Your dad showed you something. I'm willing to die for something. That's how you know if you actually believe something is true. Will you die for it? Will you say, like Jesus, you know, you said you talked about the the disciples in the beginning, you know, yeah. dying for this. Jesus said, "What did they die for? An ideology, a philosophy?" No, they said, "Look, we saw a guy die, come back to life. We can't. We're not going to not talk about that. This is amazing." Right. And so that's why they stood their ground. We saw something impossible, and we're going to share this with the rest of the world. Do with it what you want, but I'm not going to let you frighten me into uh, censoring my convictions and uh, for the sake of my well-being, because I, I don't want to live like a slave. I'd rather die a free man. And that's where really where we're at. So, you know, I know maybe it's maybe I'm being overdramatic, but I had to say to them, if if I die, they'll remember the words of their dad. Find something worth dying for in your life. Brad Stein is our guest. Thanks for being with us, buddy. Go to his website. You can find out about the tour, bradstein.com. Thank all of you for joining us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.